Hello, my name's Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Scott Podcast, and I'm joined by John James and Aidan Stevenson, who's back on the podcast. So, how are we, guys? Oh, well, how are you? <laughs> uh, I am very well. John James, how are you? I'm fine. Right, so let's just get right into it. Right, here we go. We're going to talk about uh, the Dundee and Hibs game. Dundee drew one each with Hibs, and I'll start with you, John James. What do you make of the game? Hibs were very dominant, very dominant, but they just could not get that same goal. I, I think that Hibs, they played, they played well. Uh, Dundee obviously get the goal through a penalty that it can be argued whether it's a dive or a not or not a dive, but in my opinion Whitaker gave him the option. Whitaker, Whitaker shouldn't have dived in like that. He's an experienced player, he should not be diving in like that in the box. Shouldn't have dived in and he's gifted a chance to Dundee, Dundee take it. And at that point they're playing catch up. So Yeah, um Aiden Scott Bain had a fantastic game, didn't he? Yeah, uh, it was really good. Just Hingway's going back in that penalty point I feel feel that Hingway Deaton took advantage of Whitaker diving in like that and mm-hmm. probably got the best out of him so I don't think it was a penalty but they did take good advantage of it if you give, if you give an attacker the option they're going to take it they're taking the option was John beating the referee? Um, sorry go on I, I don't know oh, Aidan did you see John beating as a referee? I'm not 100% sure. Alright, oh, I thought you said, alright. Oh, I don't know who the referee was. Yeah, but yeah, Hibs caused Dundee very, like, many problems, but just, like, Scott Bain was just on fire, so he was just fantastic. Um, do you think Hibs have any defensive worries at all? Because they've, they've conceded a, a goal in every league game so far. Uh, that's a big problem. I mean, they've got Simon Murray and Stokes up front, they're getting the goals in attack, but the, Neil Lennon's even said that they're losing their weekly goal, and it's just something they probably need to sort out. Uh, exactly. I think it's alright in the championship with defenders like F.A. Ambrose and well, they've got Whitaker in this season but I feel like they probably need to work on that to oh, yeah. get, become top four in this championship uh, exactly. on, on paper on paper, if you have Willis Stevenson, Whitaker I know that Ambrose is prone to a mistake every so often and oh, ha- Paul Hanlon Paul Hanlon and Darren McGregor. Yeah. McGregor. Yeah. McGregor. Yeah. That's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's a good point because see when you just see and, that Hibs defence. And Marciano. Marciano's Marciano not a bad keeper. Yeah, because that Hibs defence is on paper, as you said, it looks like a good defence, but they just keep on leaking goals in. But mm-hmm. it's a problem Lennon's really going to need to rectify. Um, but Stephen Whitaker, though, he made up from uh, giving, that, giving that penalty away from a good cross, yeah. which led to a Dundee own goal. Actually, yeah, so I'm did. pretty sure it's been given as a Stokes goal. Right, Aidan, what do you think? <laughs> right, I think it was a, an own goal because I feel as though it was going wide anyway. What do you think? The records have gave it to Stokes, but I do see that. Even on sports scene, they were saying it could be going either way, but I probably feel Stokes probably did get the touch that send it on its way, so I'll give it to him. Uh, and me personally, I think it's an own goal, right? So we'll stay on the, the topic of Anthony <laughs> Stokes. Um, I, feel as though, uh, I feel as though Anthony Stokes should have been sent off because uh, he pushed Scott Bain in a very aggressive manner then he also attempted a slap on Scott Bain and he didn't even get in no. it, was, it went unnoticed Stokes should have been set off yet again it honestly was. what's it going to take for Anthony Stokes to get it a red card? Was not, it did not go unnoticed the referee had a word with both of the players and I think well, you are completely just trying to Insinuate Anthony Stokes every week. Well, I'll take I'll take the claim back. We went unnoticed. I'll take that back. But Stokes, it was it was a clear red card not, in my opinion. It was. Not a red I card. thought it was a clear red card. Aidan, what do you think? Eh, uh, well, I think Stokes has kind of got that reputation of being as a player, but I don't know. 
I didn't think there was that much in it when I seen I, it. I mean, they weren't really speaking about it at the time, so I, I don't know if anyone you, else really feels it. There was a red card. I think if you actually look at the full the full incident, you'll see Bane has the ball in his hand, turns around, has a look at Stokes behind him, moves into his path, and then Stokes, as Stokes is running, he's then moved in, in directly in front of him, and Stokes has shoved him, yes. Sure, that's, that's a yellow card offence, but shoving someone is not a red card offence. But the way he done it though was in a very aggressive manner, and he also, as I just said, attempted a slap on it. I mean, as you said, you said, you said, though, you said Scott being stood right in front of him, right? Why didn't Stokes just run around him then? Like, there was no need to just barge right into him like that. Why, why did Bain, why did Bain not just stay where he was rather than move? Why didn't Stokes, Stokes just like run around no, him then? That, why, you can, you're saying this about Stokes, but why didn't Bain just stay where he was? Because Stokes clearly seen Scott Bain was right there. Why not just run around him? Bain and also clearly seen Stokes was there. But come on, like he, he just basically ran right into him. In an aggressive man just pushed him and ran at him, pushed him, and if then attempted a slap if on Scott Bain. If Bain doesn't move, there's no contact. Bain moves into his path, so Stokes hasn't moved into his path at all. I think, it, honestly, in my opinion, it was a, it was a red. And I think, in my opinion, Stokes is he's a troublemaker. He's getting out of control, right? <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm what well, he really is. Lennon needs to have a word with him because is he, like, he's not going to change, he's going to keep this up, right? And the referee will end up sending him off in one of these games and that can ultimately cost Hibs three points in a massive game. So, Lennon needs to have a wee word with him because Stokes is getting out of control. He really is. But, yeah, overall though, it was a good Hibs performance but they just could not get that second goal. And Dundee, they were... Like, Neil McCann, they were... Neil McCann said he was very happy with the point. And Dundee, they weren't really at their best, were they? What do you think, John Jeff? Well, I think Dundee... Might have not got there that three point uh, the, the point I mean if they didn't have Scott Bain in goals because Scott Bain oh Scott Bain was he, phenomenal he earned them the point uh, so obviously that's what Neil Lennon said as well that any other day Hibs would have won that game if they didn't come up against Scott Bain in that type of form and Neil I think Neil McCann was saying that he was just happy that Dundee registered the point so. Yeah, it was they've got their season up and running now, so they're Yeah, that was a big point, so it was. It's a, it's a big point against the a side that Dundee aren't going to be judged against the Hib, like, teams at Hibs this season. So getting a point is it's a bonus. They obviously I were. Oh, I'm finished. Anything they took from that game was a bonus. It doesn't, it doesn't I was thinking that if they don't have a good player in Scotland goals, they could be relegation candidate this season because they'll be struggling to pick up points. I mean, they were, Hamilton dominated them last week. Uh, exactly. So yeah, because he. That. Uh, if they lose Scott Bain, that would be a big issue. He always get the rumours yeah. he's linked down south, or he was even like with Celtic when it looked like Gordon might have been going to Chelsea in January. So, uh, he's a vital player for them, and they'll probably need him if they want to stay in the Premiership. Aidan, who would you, who do you prefer, right? Craig Gordon or Scott Bain? I'd probably say Craig Gordon. I mean, he is prone to mistakes most of the time, but I don't think Scott Bain's ready to become the number one keeper at Celtic yet if he was to come in. Is he quite young? I think Scott Bain's quite young, isn't he? Like 25, maybe? I don't think he's younger than on that side of 25. I think he's maybe like 26, 27. Yeah. I can't be sure. In goalkeeping terms, that's like young, obviously, in goalkeeping terms. Yes, so good point for Dundee overall, so it was. So Kilmarnock drew two each uh, with Hamilton. Uh, Kilmarnock won in 2-0, then they just threw the lead away. Uh, John James, what do you make of it? Just Kilmarnock... All over the place. I, 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 said, I, I, was, I think I said it last week that Achille have turned into real real relegation candidates for me because 
As I think I think well, I think it was last year actually. Where did the goals come from in that Kelly side? Because Trish Boy doesn't hit the back of the net. Obviously they've got Lee Allen scored, and I said to you off off podcast that I mean Kelly should start going with Lee Allen because he's a younger player. Chris Boyd looks like he's he's missing a step now. And I think this will be Chris Boyd's last season. Um, it, well, it will be Chris Boyd's last season. Just two into his punditry right now, so he is on the SPFL matters and I all feel, that kind of stuff. But you're a big fan of John James, as I know. I feel, <laughs> I, I feel like I'd be a hypocrite because I'm going against myself so early in the season. But I think Hamilton might look like a side that's got a point to prove, and I think they might actually stay up. Like because. That's seven points. That's seven points. The same amount of points that Hibs and Rangers have got. It is a good start for Hamilton. It is. It is really. It is a really good start. Um, Aiden, what do you make of Kilmarnock? Um, do you think the they think they can go down this season, or what? What do you think? I think so. I heard an interesting fact that if Harley won any points in the. Stadium. When, that's right. I me and JJ were actually speaking about that. Really poor at home, and I think the bigger players don't show up. I mean, they've got Jordan Jones who came in last year. He was a big player for them last season, and he's just not turned up yet. Oh, I know what it was like. Uh, I see Lee McCulloch. He was very oh, damning in his post-match interview. He was not holding back. Uh, he really laid into the team. Um, what? Some damning comments, I think, from uh, Lee McCulloch saying it's like does it the, the home form's atrocious? He doesn't know why though. It's like there is some sort of issue at Rugby Park right now. How they just cannot Kilmarnock win at home. Kilmarnock are a team where realistically, the, the home games against Hamilton, against uh, teams like Ross County, against Motherwell, those are the games they need to win if they want to be away from that relegation zone. And Hamilton coming back from two 0 down is that's a point that's a point game for them. It's, it's not a loss for them. Kelly have dropped two points, which in the long run, obviously it's, it's still early days, but in the long run, if that happens in the future, then that's going to edge them closer to danger. And I know it's an early warning sign. I'm not saying it's panic stations yet, but it is an early warning sign for Kilmarnock. Yeah, because they're winning two 0 they're comfortable, and then it's like out nowhere to each water. Horrible mistake from Stevie Smith though. He's an experienced defender. Why is he lunging in like that? Aidan, what do you think? That was like honestly Stevie Smith, it was stupid, it was do you agree? Yeah, it just when you're two 0 up you don't need to do down that. I mean you can just play the game out, maybe get another goal and they're sorted. But yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's the that one, I don't think many people expected much from them this season. They were my favourites for rele- uh, relegation. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, th- I think they were everyone's favourites, eh? But there's still a lot of time, a lot of things can change, you know, but Go back to Stevie Smith, that was like, in that stage of the game, so late on, why lunge in like that? It was, honestly, it was bizarre. He's a captain, he's meant to set an example, and it was just borderline stupid. It was, I could not understand it whatsoever. And Ali Crawford scored the penalty. Um, do you think, Alec, John James, do you think Ali Crawford will remain at Hamilton uh, uh, for the rest of the season? I think he'll be there for the rest of the season, because I don't... Uh, when Hamilton first came up, he was there. That was their go-to man. And ever since then, he's just kind of... Yeah. Fizzled out. Yeah, as soon as he scored that penalty, I was like, oh, there's Ali Crawford. Well, we're having him. Right, nice to see him again. <laughs> I would have thought, if you'd have told me two or three seasons ago Ali Crawford would still be at Hamilton and he hadn't even attracted any interest, I'd have probably called you a madman because at that point he was easily their star man along with uh, Tony, Tony Andrew or something. Like and Tony Andrew, right. So he's at uh, Dunya Wright right now, isn't he? Is it obviously? So he's not exactly where on to do much. Obviously, he was at Norwich, but yeah. uh, I, I can't believe Crawford's still there. I thought he would have kicked on from the first season he had. Right, so did I. So did I. He um, must have had opportunities to leave and he still decided to stay, which is probably good for Scottish football because he could have easily went down to England because his performance is up here. Aye, I think you're right. Um, see, what he just said, uh, Ali Crawford, uh, 
I think he's kicking on about now. He's 25. 25, eh? He might be 25 now. Hmm? I think. Yeah. But, but um, see, D- uh, David Templeton, do you think he'll kick on this season, uh, Aidan? What do you think? Uh, I think that was great for him to go to Hamilton. I mean, his career was just going nowhere, and Hamilton needs to be an early to life. I think he's a big player for them this season. I, thought, I wouldn't even say, I'd probably say they could go for the top seven for eighth place now if they keep up their performances yeah because they've been doing fine so far they've a really good start and then that has result just blew everybody away Ali Crawford's 26 26 eh I thought he was younger than that exactly he's, he's not as young as what he, won, or what he was yeah, he was like he's been here so long that he's no longer an up and come on as we said that about Temple and Temple he, I, I still look at Temple as Temple and think he's he's, he's 24 20, 20. but he's tw- what did you say 28 so he's no longer the youngster that everyone thought he once was. Exactly, it's, it is, but it's pretty crazy. But uh, I hope Templeton can kick on this season because the guy, he is talented, but it's just he's just so injury prone. And at Rangers, uh, obviously, did not work out. But and it's, it's weird to think, though, he was seen like back in 2012 as one of the Scottish football's most brightest uh, prospects, mm-hmm. and then just turned out to be a flop, basically. But yeah, um, Kamarok. Don't know where they can go from here. Who have they got next? Uh, Do you know who? Is it Celtic? Yeah. Celtic yeah. and is it Celtic in the cup? No, Celtic just played Kelly and Lloyd. So. Aye, so uh, they played them at Rugby Park. So. Oh, wait, Kelly. So I thought you said Hamilton. All oh, right, aye. Uh, don't know who Kelly have got next, but they they need to pick up a win ASAP because or else uh, they're going to be in big uh, trouble. Kilmarnock are playing muddle muddle away. Do you think uh, Lee Irwin will be a player for Kilmarnock this season? See, I, I, I think Lee Irwin could, he could easily be a player if he gets the game time to... Because you, you can't keep bringing him on because I don't see the point in why you play Chris Boyd who's, what, 34? 33, 34, aye. There's no... He's, he's clearly not up to match pace anymore. And it, maybe it could be an impact sub, maybe the player you bring on if you're just lumping the ball in the box. Why play him over the younger... More, t- I'm not, I would say talented, talented, because he is. He's got more ability right now than what Chris Boyd does. So I don't understand why you wouldn't start him. But you see from his finish that he's he's got talent as well. Why don't they? Why do, why doesn't Lee McCulloch play Boyd and Owen up front on a regular basis? Do you I think that partnership could work, Aiden? I, uh, I think. Oh no, what even finish? Um, I don't know. I think they probably could do with a main man up front because when you get two strikers, they push each other, but it makes things a bit more muddled at the top. So. I don't know, I think it'd be good if they could fight for that one spot. Yeah, it makes it, of course, it's quite similar to, like, I'm not obviously comparing the players, but it's a similar situation to the, like, uh, the Lee Griffiths and Dembele um, yeah, situation, yeah. Yeah, I think they both play, they're just not up to speed. I mean, they play well on each other, uh, up front on their own, but... Yeah, but they just, they just don't really mesh well when they're playing together, right? Yeah. Aye, but John James, what do you think? Lee Owen, Chris Boyd, could that work? I think mean, it's, it's a bit risky for, obviously, Kilmarnock, or Kilmarnock, how often will you see Kilmarnock play up with two up front? That's quite a attacking formation. I think Kilmarnock are more of a club that will look to keep it tight and not give away a goal rather than mm-hmm. press the advantage. But I mean, it depends on what you're playing behind them. If you're if you're going to play two up front, because I mean Kelly obviously have Jordan Jones, who's pretty much their main, guy, yeah. main man. So I think mean, one up front. I I think one up front and have three behind them, and I'd have Erwin as the 
I think Kilmarnock are absolutely sound in the goalkeeping department. They've got Jamie McDonald and obviously they've got Cammy Bell, two very capable goalkeepers. Question still to be asked about their defence though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I actually think Broadfoot is a solid addition to the Kilmarnock uh, setup, but John James disagrees. Um, but uh, Aidan, who would you go with? <coughs> Pardon me. Um, who would you go with uh, as your goalkeeper uh, for Kilmarnock? Would you go for Cammy Bell or Jamie McDonald? Because they're both very sound goalkeepers. Bring in Camerville, you thought he'd slip right into that team, but McDonald has a good performances. But I don't know, I think you could maybe. You need to give Camerville's not even had a chance yet, I don't know, actually. Don't think he had, no, he's not. Uh, see, uh, it's weird because you think Camerville goes into the team straight away, but Jamie McDonald is a decent keeper. Jamie McDonald has been a decent keeper for a number of years. Yep. And I said that to you, I thought it was weird that they signed two keepers that could have easily been number ones for any club. So, well, not <coughs> any club, obviously, but. Any club at that level, at that level was such as Kelly, right? most of them could have walked into any other side. Mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, so Motherwell beat Hearts uh, 2 1. Um, big win for Motherwell. Uh, Aidan, what do you make of the game? Uh, I thought probably Hearts have had good performances recently. Mm -hmm. And I thought it probably was the correct result. But you have got Moats going again. He's just got some player in the Scottish Premiership, I think. Yeah, he's a, he's a goal really uh, he's a, he's a scorer he is and I said to John James actually off podcast that I, I think Lou Moult will end up at Rangers before the transfer window shuts um, so, but the big news that came out today was that Craig Levine is the new Hearts manager JJ what do you make of that? Craig Levine appointing himself as Hearts manager? I, I just don't I've, I've, this is going to turn into a, a huge spiel because just I don't understand how you can open up an interview process for a job that this, this wasn't just a quick over and over and done process. This this was a full It's a very lengthy process. They interviewed managers for this job. They've interviewed Billy, obviously uh, publicly. Uh, was it Billy? Billy Davis. Billy Davis. Yeah. They've publicly. He's came out and said he said no. You've have uh, apparently Hartley's went for an interview. Apparently Presley's went for an interview, and. To then appoint yourself. <laughs> yeah, it just shows you. It's and mental. I, I said, I was saying to you as well, what I want to know is interesting is apparently Billy Davis didn't get the job because Hearts weren't willing to change their structure. Weren't willing to change the structure for him to come in. So surely now another director of football's got to be appointed because Levine can't do two jobs. And you, and if Levine then says no, he doesn't want a director of football, then he's completely went against the interview process by saying Hearts aren't changing the structure. That's a very fair point. But I think the director of football role right now is going to be non-existent. Uh, that's what I think. For this time being, I think it will be non-existent. Hearts, Hearts made a point of saying, uh, going forward, this was the structure they were adopting. And I think they're, they just risk looking like complete hypocrites if they don't. Because why make it so public that this is your, this is your plan going forward, this is the way the, the football club is going to move forward, to then completely backtrack, appoint the director of football's manager, who already publicly was apparently pulling the strings, obviously that's whether up to opinions or not, but I just feel like that's a massive, it, I feel like it's not a bad appointment, but it's got to be handled right in terms of director of football needs to be filled, mm -hmm. otherwise you'll, you risk it, like, you, you'll lose face to the public. Uh, Aidan, do you agree? Well, I, I'm, I probably do, I mean you have to think how, 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 how what is how structure that all these top level managers said no to the job? Uh, yeah, exactly, because you've got, like, as JJ said, you've got Billy Davis, uh, Steve, Steve Presley, um, Paul Hartley, uh, Steve McLaren, I'm not too sure if he actually went for uh, an interview. That, that, I think that was all. Structure clearly isn't working, though, because they've had a disastrous seven months or something since Cathro came in. Uh -huh. and it's only led into this season getting knocked out of the League Cup, and 
Ah, exactly. Weekend, obviously. So I don't know. Hopefully, if Lorraine does a good job, he'll prove his doubters wrong. But can't see it getting any better for right now. Yeah, I think it's a pretty weird situation. To see Craig Levine, though, right, he's appointed himself as manager, right? But he needs to take the majority of the blame for this absolute mess Hearts are in right now. Uh, it's, it is a weird one. It just came out of nowhere. Um, I thought Le- Levine would have gave the job to John Daly. I thought that was going to be the most likely outcome. But obviously that's not happened. And it, like, like, see, Hearts released a statement today saying that Levine's taking over, but they didn't say for how long though, it was just like he's taking over first team yeah, duties. Yeah, he's taking over first team proceedings. Like, they didn't announce it as an interim manager. Yeah, do, do you think, so what do you think, John James? Do you think this is like a short term appointment, or do you think this is going to be Hart's new way of going forward? Well, Hart's fans publicly have a, have, right now have a bad relationship with Craig Levine, which can all change if Hart start getting results. So, but if Hart, if he doesn't get results for Hart's, the Hearts sack him as manager or who's going to sack him? Know, <laughs> so if say say it's a complete failure, say Hearts are going bad, they get to Christmas and it's it's just as bad as it was. They because they they had a wee spike with Daly and it's when obviously they've got the loss, which then might set them back again. If it's bad at Christmas and they get rid of him, is he gone from the club or is he gone from manager roles? Yeah, how bad would that look though, right? If just say stepped up, stepped up the it's a, a very risky situation Levine has put himself in, right? Let's just say Hearts go on a horrible run, right? And they just say, like, for example, right, I might be being a bit OTT here, just say they're in a relegation fight come November, right? Yep. And what's how bad would that look though? Levine is like, okay, I can't do the job, I'm going to go back to being a director of football. They bring someone in, right? Then Levine's saying to the manager, okay, right, you're going to do this, this, and this, you're signing this, you can't sign him. That's just going to look. That's just going to look so stupid. Aidan, what do you think? Do you agree? I think, uh, I think he's kind of hiding behind this director of football role. I mean, he is pulling the strings, it seems. And yeah. he's been hiding behind it with Cathro so he doesn't have to take responsibility for poor performances. Yeah, exactly. And this, uh, like, I think... Like this is where this is, like before when Nielsen was in charge, a lot of people were in like within the media and fans were saying, ah, I think it's all Nielsen. I think Levine's letting him do what he wants, like giving him kind of like free reign and just giving him advice. But when under Ian Cathro though, it looked like Levine was calling the shots. And me and JJ have spoken about many times in the podcast about that that infamous time in the Aberdeen Hearts game where Daly was running down the stairs passing on notes and Levine was a puttling at hat in the dressing room at half time and full time. But yeah, it's a. It's a very, it's a big, it's a very risky situation and a big gamble from Craig Levine and Hearts. But back to the game. <laughs> yes, back to the game. Yes, it was a, it was a fairly good day performance from Mullerwell, So it was um, Hearts. John James, do you think they weren't up to standard at all, really? I mean, Hearts. They, it was kind of typical Hearts. They play. They looked good. They looked organised for spells. They obviously take the lead, and then as soon as the first goal goes in, then they can well not straight away. Then they go, the goal they can see there's such. It can only be described as a Hearts goal. That's the goal they conceded. Yeah. They had, I think it was five, five defenders in the box, mm-hmm. and the mother will player gets an unmarked header from six yards out and puts it in the net. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it, that is not good at all. Kyle Laffey got a good goal, yeah, so he did. Kyle, I think he did get eclipsed by Louis Moult's winner. That's oh, that was an absolute beauty. Good enough to win any game. So. Oh, yeah, absolute beauty. Um, so but it's going to be interesting to see where our uh, hearts go from here. Um, who f- the, do any of you know who hearts have got next? No. Aberdeen. Oh, Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Well, hearts have an absolutely deplorable record against Aberdeen. Aber- Aber- uh, Aberdeen had uh, had a bad record in Edinburgh, and then in recent in re- recent seasons, Aberdeen have corrected that. And actually, I think we've won a, we've won our last three in Edinburgh against Hearts, which. If you consider we hadn't won at Tynecastle in so many years to then deliver three wins in 
two seasons. When was the last time uh, Hearts actually beat Aberdeen? Uh, I think we, you go back to see the season, Nielsen, the season they finished third. Yeah. Uh, they beat us in a meaningless fixture at Pataudry when they beat us 1 0. Yeah, Aidan, when was the last time Hearts actually beat Aberdeen? Do you know? Um, I couldn't tell you. I, do. I believe it was. I believe it was to the the. Latter. Wait, did I say? Wait, did I? Did I just? Ask, sorry, did I just ask Aiden? <laughs> no, I meant Celtic. Sorry, I just realised that. Uh, Aiden, I do you know that. When was the last time Hearts actually beat Celtic? Sorry, apologies. I tell you, I, you would, I wouldn't be surprised if it was since before they got relegated. I remember they gave us a one each, a no no draw. Sorry, in Dialers last season, and uh-huh. that was the closest I remember they played against us. Yeah, I can't believe I just asked you that. <laughs> I just asked, uh, just a brain fart there. Yeah, but yeah, it was a massive win for Motherwell. But I'm gonna ask you before we move on to the next subject. John James is Lou Moult gonna stay at Motherwell? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a question that can't really be answered because Motherwell need to cash in, but they can't afford to lose him right now without having a replacement. So, do they sell him now? and then hope for the best until January before they bring someone in or as I said I think last week could they sell him but make an agreement with the club that they keep this club they sell him to but keep him until January and then bring the guy give him three months to sign someone I'd sell him now because there's no point keeping a player that's not going to be yours either in January or yeah Motherwell need season. to he's been a good player for Motherwell but Motherwell need to cash in on him mm. but the thing is so if Motherwell cash in on him they're going to be absolutely screwed up front because he, Louis Moult is Motherwell's best player, go-to guy. He he effectively kept him in the league last year. No, he, in fact, he did. He single-handedly kept Motherwell in the league last year. So it's a, it is very risky, but they need to cash in and make some sort of money on him. They do. Because if they... What a waste that would be, though. They keep him this season, though. Just say they stay up, right? And then he goes for what absolutely a, nothing. That would be a waste, I think. What a catch it would be for any team that got him on a free if Motherwell were to play that game. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but my prediction is I think you will go to Rangers before the window shuts, and I would not be against that whatsoever. Um, but Aidan, what do you think? Do you think uh, Louis Moult will stay put at Motherwell? No, no chance. I mean, if they don't sell him in January at least, then they will go to Rangers or down England. I could even see him go to Celtic. Oh. Once they play backup. So, so Celtic's a big call. That's probably an outside chance. Oof. I think Rangers would be favourites to sign Louis Moult at this stage. If Celtic signed Louis Moult and could boast having Louis Moult. Paddy Roberts, Moussa Dembele, Lee Griffiths. Game's up, isn't it? <laughs> the, game, the game's a bogey well and truly for every other team in Scotland because that's four players that can rip you apart. So yeah, that's what it it's is, a bold claim, but obviously Celtic is obviously the very, very, very outside chance. Yeah, of course I. So, uh, Partick Thistle got beat by Aberdeen 4 3 at the weekend. A very exciting game, so it was. John James, I know you're absolutely ecstatic <laughs> uh, over this big win of a Partick Thistle. Uh, what do you make of the game? Very end to end, goals constantly, but then again, horrible defending from both sides. It was a good and bar- bad argument for Scottish football because it, they had some good attacking play, but you also had some absolutely shambolic defending. defending. Yeah. Uh, I think Ryan Christie. Again, looks every bit as a talent that everyone knows he is. Uh, Partick Fizzle, they, they do not need to be... I, honestly, I've said it every week, they have nothing to be worried about. They've just had a very rough start to the season with the teams they've played. And it's not going to get any better. Not, the fixtures not, are getting tougher and tougher. Easier, but I think the team, as you start seeing Partick Fizzle coming up against like Kelly and 
Motherwell, you might start to see that Partick Thistle are above these teams in the player, the level of player they have because Partick Thistle gave ran Celtic close. Could have if they get awarded a penalty, don't know how that's going to go. They could score and get a point out of that. They've ran Aberdeen close. They've ran. They've ran. They've done okay against Hibs for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Uh, St Johnson obviously, it's a tough place to go as well. So it's not been an easy start to the season for them. But from an Aberdeen perspective, it was all about just getting. Making sure you come out of Fur Hill with the wins, with the win just to, because if obviously what happened at Parkhead, you need to capitalise on that. You need to make sure that you're winning these games. Yeah, it's Aberdeen going forward. are very strong midfield. are very strong, but when it comes to the defence, they're fairly weak. The, the Aberdeen's defence is it is, I wouldn't say it's poor, but it's not great. We can't. It's not great at all. Aberdeen can't keep relying on if they score one, we'll score two. That's that's not the because thinking it's me come up against a Celtic uh, or a Rangers or a Hibs, they'll they'll punish that Aberdeen defence. They will punish Aberdeen. I don't so doubt, I don't doubt Aberdeen could score against Hibs and Rangers, but my main fear is what Celtic could do against that. Yeah, it's just obviously I uh, I think Aberdeen will score against those like Rangers, Hibs, or even Celtic, right? But then again, well, how many goals will they concede? And that's that's, that's the, the the problem. I I think McInnes is fairly aware that. <laughs> That needs to be solved. And his comments in the media were saying, were suggesting that Aberdeen are going to be bringing in a player, and I'm presuming it would either be a defensive-minded midfielder so that we could make sure O'Connor that's O'Connor stays at centre back. We've also got Arneson on the bench, who's not whether it's fit, uh, match fitness or he needs to earn his way into the team. Which I think I put him, I put him in and put O'Connor as his partner. But the goals need to stop being. We need to stop. It's all fine that we're scoring four, but conceding three is not. Against no disrespect against Partick Thistle, come on. As I said, the mentality of if they score one, we we'll score two. That can't continue. We need to go back to the Aberdeen of old. Last season, we were scoring one, and that was enough. We'd won the game, but I'm I'm still happy we got three points. But obviously, there's never there's never a perfect performance. So yeah, it was like two one in the first fifteen minutes. Uh, it, was two, it was two each going into half time. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. So it was. Um, Kenny McLean, John James. Don't. <laughs> come on, come on. I said last week how he was disappointing me, and I don't know that 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 attempt of acquaintance was against Thistle when he volleyed it at his own keeper. Oh, Aidan, what do you make of that? Kenny McLean's performance. He made up for it by scoring a penalty, but then again, it was a penalty. I feel right, like so, but he, what was what was it all about? What do you make of it, Aidan? Because I don't think he had a great game. A lot of people put Kenny McLean on their team of the season last year. And I just didn't see where they came from. I mean, he is good on his day, but he's not very consistent, and that was a horrible mistake at the weekend. Do you know what I think? Away from his overall performance. Aidan, do you know what I think? What's actually up with him? With Kenny McLean, I think he's still. You see that uh, miss in Scottish Cup <laughs> final? It's still haunting him. It's still haunting him to this day. I think Kenny Kenny McLean found consistency towards see about January last season. About January last season, he had probably the best six months he's had in Aberdeen top after that. And that, as I feel like the people who put him in the team this season were right because he was probably one of the best players outside Celtic last season. And then this season, he's just never, he's never re- even in the European games. I said it to, I know it's early, but even in the European games, he didn't look great. He's scored against Hamilton, put us in through the League Cup, but again, he didn't look convincing. And I believe he's only took that penalty against Partick Thistle because he knew that he messed up and he wanted to make up for that by taking the penalty. I think McLean needs a confidence boost. He, I think it's quite evident that. He's low in confidence right now, and him scoring that penalty might give him a new lease of life that he might kick on from here. You don't know, but 
as you uh, as you said uh, to me before, John James McLean's not had the best of starts to this uh, campaign at all. But do you think we'll kick on you? Well, I think what I said to you that Christie can play centre attacking mid, and Christie did play centre attacking mid at the weekend. I think Kenny McLean, you get the best out of him when he plays centre attacking mid, and I think you can see his weaknesses when he does play centre mid, and that's where his mistakes were coming from against Fissel. See, Ryan Christie, if he keeps up this kind of form, I, he will be Aberdeen's player of the year. See, he, the, only, he, the, 100%. the only thing that annoys me about Ryan Christie is obviously he's not Aberdeen's player, but how can Celtic look at him and not think he's good enough? Aidan, would you take Ryan Christie back at Celtic? Well, when I did leave for Aberdeen, I thought he's just going to be one of these players that leaves Celtic and nothing will come of him, like Niall again, who never really broke into the team and became a staple in it. But I think Ryan Christie has got big, big potential, and if it's it looks like Armstrong leaving January or the next transfer window, and I think Christie will probably already got his replacement. I think he's proved a lot of people wrong with his time at Aberdeen, and they can come back to his next year and go right into their first team. Mm-hmm. If Celtic lose Armstrong or see even when Roberts goes back to City, uh, why isn't why why are Celtic not really look at the player you have. <laughs> Christie is easily capable of going into that Celtic team. He's young and he can progress and become a better player. Right now in this time there aren't many opportunities for him here but he has proved that they're wrong at Aberdeen. All Celtic players anyway, uh, fans. Mm-hmm. So I think Rogers will be looking at him when he comes back and Armstrong will be away. Realistically, the only thing that's different obviously when he's at Celtic is could he do it in Champions League nights? But he's doing exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, even Armstrong, I've never been impressed with him in European nights and I think that's when they've got to improve. I mean, Armstrong's quite, he's 25 I think and we've got a player in Chris who's a lot younger and can improve so I think he could come into our team and be better than Armstrong. Christie is doing it against the same teams that he'd been playing against at Celtic and not to mention he's still young <laughs> and I, honestly I, I, this is not me being biased because he's technically an Aberdeen player right now but we were talking about, we briefly talked about the Scotland squad how come players like Callum McGregor or Ryan Christie didn't even get a Ryan Jack <laughs> didn't even get a look in for that Scotland squad but yet players like Christoph Berra the 33 year old centre back is, yeah. is getting put in there the the even even players down south who can't even get a game like, and the Scotland squad like why? Ridiculous today just summed up. If there's even a few players withdrew and instead they bring in McGregor Christie, they brought in James Morrison. Yeah, I seen that. Like why? I don't get that. Like more dynamic players. Like, Christie and McGregor can't come up with a goal in big games. It honestly seems James like Morrison goals. adds nothing. He's just more of the same. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand that. When I seen that, I was like, okay, right, right. Why is he calling up James Morrison? But not call up Cal McGregor. It's bizarre because McGregor's on form right now. He's like booming with confidence. Like God, I don't know what it is. I think Gordon thinks he's probably not ready, but I totally I, disagree I, with that. I, Gordon Strachan seems to have a bias against everyone in the like, Scottish Premier League that doesn't play for Celtic or isn't currently playing for Celtic. Obviously, Christie is still a Celtic player. Mm-hmm. But how can you say? Or I think the, what the comment he was making about Kenny McLean last season, when Ken, like, when Kenny McLean was obviously getting through to the squad, the comment he was making was Kenny McLean didn't do it consistently enough. But players like Ryan Christie and Callum McGregor have done it for about eight months now. <laughs> Been doing it consistently for about eight months now, and they didn't even get a look into this. See, Kenny McLean, <coughs> right? Uh, like this is no disrespect, right? But 
And you know, you know this is true for a fact, John James. See if Ken McLean was playing with Celtic or Rangers, right, and he was playing as well as he was last season, he would be in the Scotland squad just like that. I don't even think it's anything to do with Rangers anymore because Rangers players aren't getting a look in. Like, when Barry Mackay was flying at Rangers, he wasn't getting a look in either. So, I think... But Lee was, he was quite consistent, though, uh, in the Scotland squad, but obviously he was not the first-choice left-back, but he was in amongst the, the set-up. But we're playing Lithuania and Malta. <laughs> yeah, I know. And these younger players aren't getting a look in. And these are the players that are going to be in the Scotland squad in the future. Why not put them in now? Against teams that they're going to play better. Lithuania have players like, no disrespect to Slivka, I think he's a good player. Slivka plays for Hibs. He's in the Lithuania squad. That's the standard of player Lithuania are going to be playing against us. Are you trying to tell me players like Christie, McGregor could not beat that player? Mm-hmm. It's clear they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's utterly bizarre, I don't understand it whatsoever, but uh, just uh, one, right before we move on to the next subject, um, Partick Thistle, John James, do you think they'll uh, pick up form? They've got some tough, uh, tough fixtures coming up, <laughs> do you think they'll manage to get, they've got, I think it's Ross County next, Dingwall, I think, think, I think they can kick on? I think Ross County, obviously, uh, I say, we always say how annoying it is to play against them in Dingwall, but Partick Thistle are capable of going up there and getting a result, Motherwell have already went up there and got a result, so... It's not as if it's it's doable, and I think Fissel have the squad that they can do it. But I'm not going to say they'll do it because as leading now that me look silly if they don't. But mm-hmm. they're, they're capable of it. Um, Adam, do you think do you think Fissel will be okay? Um, I think they won't do as good as good as they did last season, getting in the top six. But I don't think I don't think we'll be anywhere near the relegation spots. Mm-hmm. So Rangers. Uh, Beat Ross County 3-1, a massive win for Rangers and Dingwall. Um, so guys, first of all, I need to, I'll start with you John James, I need to ask you this, right? It's the elephant in the room. What was Scott Fox doing? <laughs> what was that all about? You'll never, but honestly, that, that is the easiest goal you'll see all season. Like, honestly, when I seen that, I was like, yeah, really? What, not, what do you make it? It's not even answerable. It's like... What done, because he make, he, make, he, he tries to go past him. Uh, Morelos makes tackle and misses he gets the ball anyway so where do you think Morelos went? the keeper the keeper should then up the park get away why is he then thought Morelos is just going to stay on the ground and watch him just knock it in front of him stand back it was honest the only thing I can compare it to it was as if it was a golf swing it was as if he knocked the ball in front of him and he was looking at where he was going to hit it and then it's just been nicked away from him he knew as soon he knew as soon as Morelos took it you seen him, he went to the grounds like, you know, you know that you should have kicked that away. And you could argue that goal obviously makes it 2 0 Rangers, yeah? Yeah, 2 0. That's the goal that County are then chasing. County get one goal back, see if that goal doesn't happen, they count equalise. Or obviously, we don't know if Rangers then score again, but mm. it turns out to be an important goal because it's a goal that puts Rangers in a bit more of a comfortable situation. So if I was McIntyre and I'd been fuming with him, I would have been absolutely fine. Oh, yeah, them. 100%. Yeah, you will not see an easier goal than that all season. Um, so, Rangers were very impressed with the first half. They knocked the ball around really, really well. Ryan Jack had an absolute blinder, in my opinion, honestly. It was fantastic. Um, but County were absolutely awful in the first half. Uh, Aidan, what did you make of Ross County in the first half? It was an absolute disaster. They made a sub, I think, I can't remember who they subbed off. Yeah, they, brought, they brought on Mickelson, so they went two up for it. Yeah, so hey, they made a sub in the first half as well. Uh, what do you make of it in County Shambles? You know, they have got a reputation of being quite difficult at Dingwall, which surprised me. I mean, Rangers aren't in the best of form now, and they don't look very comfortable with the full game, apart from, I don't know, Tavernier is a bit 
it looks a bit shaky at the back, but apart from that, then I was surprised by that. I thought Ross County did enough shout, we at least get a draw from that game. Yeah, like you see, oh, you see down the right hand side. I need to say, uh, Candias and Tavernier uh, were very effective. Uh, like they caused uh, that uh, right. Uh, sorry, uh, they caused that side a lot of problems, and they worked really well together. So, but Tavernier going forward, I've said it for ages. Tavernier going forward is he's really talented going forward, but defensively he still is a wee bit shaky, as you said. In he, he still uh, is a wee bit shaky defensively. Back and looked as if. Fodingham was going to, uh, didn't going to catch it, but just went by the post. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably a position to look to improve upon a right back. Yeah, who so can't go forward and defend. Yeah, because in my like in my opinion, the jury's still out for Candias, but he impressed me that game there. So he did. Apart from his corners. His corners were absolutely horrific. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> they're poor. His corners are poor, but he can work in them. He can work in them. He can improve. But yeah, but as I was saying, Candias and Tavernier were brilliant on the right hand side. Um, Herrera scored his first goal for Rangers. I was saying in the podcast last week, I wasn't convinced by him really. Um, I still, I still firmly believe we need to get in another striker. But he scored his first goal and hopefully he can kick on. I, honestly, I want to be proved wrong. Same with Josh Windass. I don't like. I don't think Windass is good, but I want to be proved wrong. Josh but Windass I just don't see play, it. I don't know. He didn't play. No. Oh, I was going to mention that um, Nico Cranshaw was playing in the left hand side. Oh, Cranshaw. Uh, then again, though, he's not a winger. I, I, I'm just saying that even though Cranshaw has talent, it really did not impress me at all. Even uh, he, he lost the ball for Rangers. Yeah, it's uh, OC for uh, Ross County's goal. Uh, Cranshaw was at fault for that. He lost uh, possession very poorly. Uh, and I've seen whispers of people trying to come a free kick, but that, that wasn't a free kick. No, no, no. Like, he lost possession very poorly and cheaply in the middle of the park, which ultimately led to Ross County's goal, obviously. The um, most impressive, the most, the, the Rangers player that impressed me most that game was Morelos. Because obviously I, I hadn't watched much of Rangers this season. I'd only seen highlights. That he seems like the striker that Rangers haven't had for a good while. That he's well hunted down, and he's got pace and he's, he's able to yep. finish the ball as well. I firmly believe. Yes, right yeah, I firmly believe uh, Morales will be a player for us. Um, he he knows where the back end it is. He he will score a lot of goals for us. But I want to mention a wee brief thing on uh, Hera. Uh, I can't get it out. Herrera, Herrera. There we go. Can't even get it out, man. Yeah, but you see me look at his stats, right? He's twenty nine, right? Is he twenty nine? Yep, he's twenty nine. Yeah, he's twenty nine, right? For the last club, see the last club he played for. He scored one hundred fifty. No, he sorry, he played one hundred fifty one games, right? Right, and and that was a span of six seasons, right? And he only scored forty goals. That's what I'm saying about Herrera. Like Herrera. He, only, he only made 150 appearances in six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he only managed 40 goals. Mm. Um, no, but it's like I uh, 151, I think, was it? Yeah, it was a 100. He played 151 games in the span of six seasons. Granted, he went on, out on loan, but he only played a handful of games. Mm. He only scored 40 goals in six seasons. That's poor. That's what I'm saying about like Herrera. I'm not. Entirely convinced, but I still feel as though we need to go out and get another striker in. Well, for example, for example, is both you were saying about Louis Moult ending up at one of the Glasgow sides. Louis Moult scored thirty six goals in two seasons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, yeah, that's why I would say I would Louis not be Moult, against us getting him. Yeah, I would, Louis, Moult I would take only, him. Louis Moult has only scored four goals less playing for Motherwell in two seasons. So yeah. It was like I would, I would, one hundred percent get Louis Moult in because he'll do a job. Herrera, as I said, not convinced just yet, but hope he proves me wrong. Um, but yeah, first half Rangers are very impressive. Second half, 
uh, Rangers took the foot off the gas about Aiden. Uh, what did you make of Rangers in the second half? It was it was not a great performance, but managed to get the three points. No, they did get scared when they gave a goal away, but I think Rangers probably they play well in games like this, but they need to start playing well in bigger games. I mean, we're talking about Morelos could be a player. He was non-existent against Hibs, and you need you need players to turn up in these big games if you want to get close to the top of the table. So I think Rangers do have potential to challenge Celtic this season. And if they keep playing like they did uh, on Sunday, the first half, then that is the performances that Nicolai got. Hold on, hold on. Then again, though. Then again, though. Morelis did score against us. He did score against us. I know what you're going to say, but the point is... That's all he done? The point Aiden's making is the way he performed was very similar to the way the... Rangers have performed this season where they're good for a bit, they're solid, they come out the traps in the first 20 30 minutes, which is what Manel has done. But after that, where was he? Yeah, like when Rangers were struggling, where was he? You need something, you need the striker who's but gonna the, the argument I'll make for like, see what he said, like he was non resistant against Hibs right after that red card, nobody played well, everyone was just like. It was panic stations, like Rangers were all, all over the place right after that red card happened. But yeah, um, it was a big three points for Rangers, uh, so it was. And Andrew Davis should have been sent off. I think he should have been. I seen it. I seen it at the time, and I thought I didn't think it was a red card at the time. But having seen, he he, he raises his elbow. He raises yeah. his elbow. He's playing a risky game when he does that. So if he had seen red, I don't think he could have complained. Aiden red card for Andrew Davis. If I'm gonna be honest, I don't even remember the. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Honestly, I'm mean, like it doesn't really matter now, right? It didn't really play a factor into the result, but or whatever. I feel like, uh, it but it was a, it was a it was a red. It would have played a, a factor at that point if it had been sent off. The Rangers were on top, and losing arguably their best defender would have affected them. So, but if he had been sent off, then I don't think he could have he could have complained. So yeah, it was a red card. But I seen uh, obviously Casinha played the four four two formation yet again. I'm sorry, I'm just not convinced would by it, this system. Would it work against a better side? That's, that's, that's real. Is it going to work against the Celtic uh, Hibs? Obviously, it hasn't worked against Hibs and Hearts. And it hasn't worked against Hibs or Hearts. So the real question is, is if it's not worked against Hibs or Hearts, would it work against the better teams in Hibs and Hearts and I would in the Celtic? I would, just, I would just go 4-2-3-1. And that's what I would do. I would go 4-2-3-1. <laughs> I would go Rossiter and Jack in the middle. And then... Uh, I would have Dorans behind the striker, that's what I'd do. And we still need to get a left mid in, that's what we need to get. Because Windass is he's not a winger, right? Josh Windass is not a winger. Cranshaw is certainly not a, a winger. Um, we need to get a left mid in and a striker, that's what I think. Um, that's what we need to do. What do you agree, Aiden? Do you think Rangers need to get a left mid and a striker in before the window shuts? Um, I'd give Morelis a chance. I mean, I did say that to but I think if he keeps him, if he skips a run of games, he could. And a left mid, probably. I'm surprised they didn't get anything like that in. I mean, there's a short amount of time left in the window, but can't see much business getting done at Rangers between now and the end of the window. Yeah, because I do think Morales will be a player for us, but I just want him to have that, like, if we're going to go to, and just say we're going to go 4 4 2, right? right? Get another striker in, and but as much as I like Miller, I think. I don't think are we should be playing. Are you beginning to see what I was saying about Miller? I don't think we should be playing Miller. Like, well, I don't think we should be starting Miller week in, week out. I think we need to get in another striker and have Morales play alongside. For example, Louis Moult, I think that would be quite an effective partnership because Morales has got bags of pace about him. He's a good finisher uh, and he would work well alongside Louis Moult. So, but uh, even, I don't know, like, even Herrera, I'm willing to give him a chance, but 
I'm not convinced. So I'd be, I would, if we're going to go four four two, I would go Louis Moult and uh, Morales up top. But for see if and if if it was up to me, I would go four two three one. Then obviously I have maybe Morales or, for example, get Louis Moult in. Then it would be have a wee bit of competitive edge between both of them. But a left mid though, that's what we need to get. And I thought hopefully Casinha knows that. And hopefully he's not thinking Josh Windass is the way forward down the left hand side because he's certainly not. But yeah, it was a big win for Rangers uh, up at Dingwall. So Celtic uh, drew one each with uh, St Johnston at Parkhead. John James called this one, so he did. did. He called it. And uh, during the game, though, I, when it was 1 0, I was like, right, see if it stays like this. I'm going to brag about it so much. Do you know what I was going to call this podcast? Right? No, th- th- this episode. Uh, I was actually going to call it either Mystic Brad or Bradley called it because I'm such an egomaniac. So, Aidan, let's start with you, mate. What do you make of it? A one each draw against St Johnston. Celtic's 100% record in uh, the SPFL is gone. What's your thoughts? Um, I probably thought a draw was fair, besides the point that we gave away a horrible goal. I mean, Gordon's just passing it, he doesn't even know where he's going, and just hoping for the offside to save him. But apart from that, I think Celtic did have a lot of good chances the just ball wasn't going in the net for some reason and I think I could give the players for it because they just came back for a long flight for Kazakhstan and I think we had a lot of, we still have a lot of injuries so we don't have we didn't have a proper centre back on the pitch we had Lustig and Beaton which is clear it's not going to work and we needed a new centre back but I think McGregor came up with a goal to save us so I'm happy that the unbeaten record still goes on and I think it was probably just an off day and I'd expect us to just go on for here after the international break. So you, you do agree though that Celtic's defence when St Johnson were on attack was the like Celtic defence was extremely shaky? Do you agree? Uh, that's just what's going to happen if you don't have a proper set of that. We, we've had, heard this week that Rivaldo Coates failed his medical which is horrible news and we've only got a few days left to get a proper set of back in. Uh-huh. But I think... Once we get a proper centre back in and some minutes, I think we've got a proper team, and that's the only aspect I think we've been missing. Uh, John James. Plus our right mid, and today Roberts has came in. I think that was the two main positions. Yeah, we, I was. Oh, well, I was going to say that. Um, that was uh, obviously Patrick Roberts is uh, beside with Celtic on uh, like for the rest of the season on loan. Um, so Craig Gordon, guys, uh, I'll, start, I'll go with you with John James in this one. Craig Gordon. Um, what was he doing? It's a very lazy and poor clearance from Gordon. Um, what was he thinking, really? I've been looking forward to this for the last two days. I've been so salivating at it. I've been looking so forward to this just because apparently people disagree with my comments on Gordon. But if that doesn't show that Craig Gordon is not the keeper that Celtic should be looking for, or they they should be looking for another keeper, then I don't know what is. That clearance was just. It's not even a clearance. Lackadaisical. <laughs> what? It's horrendous. Your keeper, right? You get the ball in the six-yard box. Why are you hitting it with the outside of your foot? Do, do you, if, if you're in, if you're in doubt, kick it to the kick it out to the, the stand right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Use that stand right there. I don't. Uh, the excuse of oh maybe went to his bad foot. Is it right? It doesn't take much skill to put the ball directly in front of you. Put it out for a throw in. You're in a, a dangerous situation. If you do it, you'd possibly avoid conceding that goal. But what I found most most telling about that situation is Gordon was willing to tr- blame a youngster for a mistake that wasn't his. Fair enough. I think Rogers comes out and he says in his uh, after match press conference he says he wanted Celtic to play out of trouble. 
because Celtic are capable of playing out of trouble, which they are, we've seen it so many times. But, but to try and blame Ralston for playing McLean on side on side is absolutely That's poor from it's, him. It's yeah. ludicrous. Because I'll let finish. you actually see Gordon turn and look at Ralston. Ralston played the ball to his keeper expecting his keeper to launch up the park. I, mean, I know the argument is Ralston could have done it, but if he's been told by his manager they want to play it out, he's going to do it. And the, the finish, yes, Ralston did play him on side, but Gordon is ultimately to blame by just hitting that hopeless ball that's bounced off the St. Is it St. John's Park? It hit the Celtic player, it hit St. John's Park, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he just he's just hit it off the St. Johnson player and it's bounced to McLean's. Uh, he's played it to McLean's feet and he's finished it. And Gordon has been a legitimate threat. To, the only legitimate threat to that unbeaten record was Craig Gordon. So I can tell Aidan's chomping at the bit here yeah. to respond. So when you go in, well, the thing is about Gordon, I do think he's a solid keeper. I think his only problem is he's not got anyone challenging him. We've got Doris DeVries and then Connor Hazard, who is under twenty, I think. So I think. That probably could be a position we could improve or at least get somebody to challenge Gordon for. But the thing is, people blaming Ralston. I've watched Celtic for years now. Well, since then, Rodgers came in. That is how we play. We play for the back. We give it to a goalkeeper who passes it back out. That fact is, he's not taking a second touch to pass it to Lustiger Brown in the midfield. Just it's stupid. It should know better by now. Yeah, because obviously Gordon's very experienced goalkeeper and he's making that kind of like decision that was so lucky. He's go so poor. But in my opinion, that Celtic performance was uh, very flat. Celtic kind of really struggled to get going at times. Which but towards the end of the game, they were I think they, they were very un- unlucky not to win the game. I don't want to take it. The away last from. ten minutes, we were just relentless. I couldn't. I was just convinced we were going to get that second goal. We hit the post two or three times. Uh, it was, the keeper was on fire. I think he's the reason St Johnson got a point on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I don't want to take anything away from St. Johnson. I think St. Johnson deserved yeah, to, um, to take something from that game. Yeah, St. Johnson were very well organised. As, as, as much as Celtic were knocking on the door, St. Johnson had an, an opportunity to, 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 to score a second as well. McLean got the ball like six yards do away. Do you know who I thought had a, a fantastic game for St. Johnston, right? Ricky Foster. <laughs> Playing on the wing, I thought Ricky Foster was fantastic. Where was this Ricky Foster at Rangers? Where was this Ricky Foster at Aberdeen? Honestly, I was so impressed by him. I really was. But credit to Tommy Wright and St. Johnson. They were well organised, well drilled. They were very impressive. I think and they got a goal out of pure luck. If, and due to Craig Gordon being an absolute... I think if any team's playing Celtic and they're currently getting a result going into the last 10 minutes, yeah. you're very well aware that they're going to bombard you. And St. Johnson held up to the, the relentless attacks they were getting. So... As far as I'm saying, it's a well-earned point. St. Johnson are still undefeated and they've been to Parkhead this season, so... Yeah, and also see, just a, a wee quick thing on St. Johnson's game plan. Like, it worked so well, right? They put... They put like this, they put, I, Their pressure was so good, they put Celtic defence under pressure, which ultimately led to them taking the lead. And Celtic, uh, Celtic are not used to that. They were no, in fact they were not used to that whatsoever. Like they didn't expect St. Johnson just to close them down relentlessly as Celtic, they did. So, uh, see, as much as it didn't work out for Aberdeen that day, Aberdeen gave the blueprint for how you need to play against Celtic in that Scottish Cup final. The way Aberdeen were Harry and Celtic and the, the way they were causing the defence to panic, that's what Aberdeen did in the Scottish Cup final. Obviously Aberdeen, you can't keep it up for 90 minutes, it's, it's simply not sustainable, it's just it, it's too energy sapping. St Johnson did it, it worked, and then fair enough they were clinging on, but they put everyone back and they put them their backs against the wall, they held out and got the point. 
that's obviously it, it was a different situation for Aberdeen. We conceded in the last minute. St. Johnson didn't. St. Johnson got the point, and I think that's the way you need to play against Celtic. You need you can't give them time on the ball, otherwise you're going to get punished. Aidan, see, what, obviously you were at the game, right? What were you like uh, in the second half, like midway through it, and it was still one 0 St. Johnson. Were you having like fears? Okay, this unbeaten run might come to an end. Were you ever like worried at all? As Monkey said in the first half, when they did have that big chance, and I thought, okay, right, they're giving us a game here. But once we got, well, it was the last 20 minutes, we just didn't stop, and they couldn't even get out of their own half. So I had a feeling that at least an equaliser was going to come. So I wasn't too concerned about that. Yeah, it was. So what do you think, Aidan, right? Do you think Celtic will go unbeaten in the league this season? Uh, I don't. Because. They probably are a better team, but that doesn't necessarily mean they won't have an off day again like they did on Saturday. Who do you think will be Celtic's toughest uh, team to play against this season? What team do you, are you not looking forward to playing against? To be honest, none of them really frighten me. I think there's more chance of a lower team like Ross County or a Motherwell getting us a shock win against us. And the big teams, I've not probably seen enough of them to convince me they will give Celtic a big challenge this year. Mm. But yeah, so it was a scare for Celtic, but the unbeaten run uh, stays. It goes on, so it does. And so, Aidan, do you think Celtic will sign anyone right before the window shuts? I think because the Rivaldo Cozy deal fell through, the centre half is a must. I just no names on there, we all linked to it, but I think we'll definitely do one in. Do you think uh, Rogers is going to panic and get a goalkeeper in? I think he probably should have sorted that out already by now. The fact that we've came this far without one shows me he's going to stick with Gordon. But I thought he would because he showed last year that he would willingly replace Gordon when he brought in Davies to put him right into the team. I found that bizarre though, like back in January. Like, I think Gordon was set on going to Chelsea, obviously, because of the money. And then Rodgers managed to convince Gordon to stay put, which I found like really surprising. Like, why not just let him go? He's getting up there in age. Bring in a young up and coming keeper because Rogers done that. Look what he done at Liverpool. He got rid of Pepe Reina, which was bizarre, and brought in Simon Minnelli. Like why? And but he was trying. I mean, to if that's anything to go on, Celtic should be worried. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I found that pretty bizarre when he done that. Like when at Liverpool, we got rid of Pepe Reina, top class goalkeeper, gets rid of him, then brings in Simon Minnelli, and but he's keeping Craig Gordon, but and who's like getting up there in age, that he doesn't want to bring in, and it's be like a. Uh, up and coming uh, promising goalkeeper but yeah it's a bit odd but also Aidan uh, you're looking forward to the Champions League uh, group stage they fancy that uh, you're maybe potentially making the, the last 16 and elect Bayern Munich and PSG well I would be hoping that we get full points against and elect I think Bayern will pummel us across the two games because they're just a clinical team who just go for goal but PSG at home they're got new faces in our squad they've still, got, they've still not had much time to gel I think with the Celtic support behind the team they could get something for that game mm. and that'll probably be vital if they want to have any chance of getting the last 16 so what's your realistic prediction uh, realistically yeah. finish for third yeah I think you need to, you need, to I think you need to honestly like, like at least beat Anderlecht at home right and, and no you cannot get beat off Anderlecht at all um, if you've got any chance for third, yeah, like so, Anderlecht is the winnable games. Yeah, I feel like if they beat Anderlecht at home and then didn't lose away, I think that would be good enough. Because I don't think Anderlecht are going to take any points off of the other two. So yeah, and then obviously PSG and Bayern Munich are just 
like they're two top class teams as, and as it's going to be a struggle to get points Aiden, off them. As Aidan said, it would take another unbelievable atmosphere at Celtic Park if Celtic were to take anything off of the other two. And it would need to be another night that was like Barcelona recreated if they were to take anything off of them. So uh, we're moving on to this uh, segment I've been wanting to do uh, since the Rangers-Hibs game. Um, should referees do post-match interviews after games? John James, what do you think? Me personally, I think they should, but you go first. I think they should be uh, doing interviews. I think it, it really depends because although I do agree, if it's, if it's a big game and it's a big decision, then absolutely yes. But see if it's just people being pedantic over silly decisions like Oh, you booked this player, but it was it was like maybe it was his first foul, whatever, whatever, whatever that. No, because if you're gonna if you're gonna use it, you need to use it in a way that it's a big call. It's like a game changing call, not a yellow card or whatever. Like because then then referees would kind of obviously referees are already sensitive souls as it is, <laughs> and if you if you call them out for simple yellow cards that perhaps is just being pedantic, then they're not gonna want to do it. So if if, it would take a lot of convincing to get the referees to do it because. But how are players and managers any different though? Like, what's the difference? Why they're all in the same game? It's uh, there, is, there is no difference obviously because it, referees can still influence the game. However, I don't feel like it should be pedantic decisions you're getting them on for. I mean, if if it's if a red card that maybe could be rescinded or whatever, if it's a goal that was perhaps on offside and the referee didn't consult his linesman or didn't use the video review. That is in, not in all not in all football leagues in certain English leagues, but I think it needs to be a big decision. Do you think John Beaton should have done an interview two weeks ago then after the game? I actually don't because I think that game no I think that game was a bit too that was like he, that was heated that was, there was already emotions are running high. Maybe if you got maybe if you got the game in agreement was like a, the next day the next day they would do it. If you do it right after the game to the referee, then the referee's gonna either just go into their shell and perhaps not even want to do it if you gave it like 24 hours for the dust to settle then perhaps everyone would be thinking a lot clearer then you could do it doing it right away after a big game like that where it was a decision that had a lot of emotions running high then you risk ruining the whole but then again though see if he, John Beaton does an interview right after the game that gives the opportunity for him to clear his name uh, clear his name and give his reason for he making that decision that. then he, he can go the next but then uh, or, or, or whatever like but he needs to at least do an interview after the game in my opinion but Aidan uh, what's your thoughts do you think referees should do interviews uh, post-match uh, I don't especially not in Scotland I mean <laughs> these guys are part-time referees it's not their full job why should they come out and explain themselves They're, they don't have to be doing it but so I think what is it? oh sorry I'll, 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 I'll let you finish, let you finish. Uh, I think if it's like a big massive global brand like the Premier League I could see reason for that but to be fair it happens to every team all the fans are raging at the time and we just get on with it I mean it obviously hurts at the time but I mean most people can't do it's hard a hard job to do they obviously might not get it right or something we just have to accept that it's Human error. Right, then again, no, my, my argument would be for that is, right, of course it is a tough job, right, of course it is, 
But they want to do it, they put themselves forward to do it, right? And it's not like they're getting paid buttons, they're getting paid a grand a game, I think. They're getting, they're getting a good top, amount. In Scotland, Scotland the, top t- the top tier officials, because obviously... Yeah, also, we're to- I, like, top tier, sorry, the top tier I, referees get like 800 to a grand. I, I agree with what Aidan's saying about if you're Scottish League 2, Scottish League 1 refs, they, they, they're part-time, they, they, yeah. it's not their full-time job. Meanwhile, champ- Championship obviously do have part-time refs, but they do have some professionals, they, they all get the Premier League dropout. The Premier League is full, most of the time full-time referees, or they, even though they do have other jobs as well, but that is, they, they earn quite a lot of money through that. So I can understand why you might want the Premier League refs to do it, but if you're talking part-time referees, I don't think so. I don't think they should do it. But that, that's the thing, like, see all these... I get the whole art, the cash that the fans put in to go see that game and then, but... Yeah, this is, this is my argument for it, right? I think referees should do post-match interviews, right? Because the fans are paying customers, right? And for example, two weeks ago that John Beaton decision, or if a massive decision happens in a game, right, which affects it, right, the fans are paying customers and if they get robbed out of something, right, or they get robbed out of seeing their team win due to a really dodgy decision by the referee, um, they are entitled to get an explanation from that referee because if managers and players do post-match interviews, right, why should referees be any different? Like, I feel as though referees are so protecting this little bubble, right? For example, like, see... referees are untouchable. Yeah, like, even down south as well. Like, see, um, if a manager or a player criticises a referee, punished right away, two-game ban or whatever, it's absolutely ridiculous. If a manager criticises another manager, which you see all the time in football, nothing happens because it's... Football's a man's game, Right? And these referees, like, they're so thin-skinned, right? It's utterly pathetic how thin-skinned they are. Like, if you criticise one of them, oh, right, that's a two-game ban, it's obscene. Like, they're, they're far too protected, honestly. This makes sex- sexist comments. So I'm going to an adult's game. Oh, so, so, pa- so politically not correct. Just, not just so PC. Game. That's not what's wrong with the world, everything's so PC. Not just a man's game. It's so PC. But yeah, oh, I know the female, we've got uh, some female listeners, John James, are caring to them. I like that. But yeah, I th- fans are paying customers. They're entitled to get an explanation. So I think referees, after every single game, should do a post-match interview and explain feel, their decisions. I feel every single game's about... It'll look them better, though. It'll make them look better, though. It would, every single that? game's over the top. Because if you're wanting a referee to justify why he gave a free kick 45 yards from goal, you're being a bit silly. You're being a bit pedantic, as I said. So, not every single game. Only the games that perhaps they made big decisions, not decisions, not silly. No, but I, I was like, no, what's the difference? We'll see if managers. No, if ma- no but the thing is, if managers, or players, if managers and players need to do interviews after every game, referees should as well. well. The I think the difference is because they're all part of the same game. They're part the, of the same. The difference bubble. is some referees can go seventy-five minutes, eighty minutes without booking a player. So obviously they're doing their job right. They're well, they should be if they're in, they're letting the game play. They're letting the fans get a proper experience. Don't have them explain why they gave uh, Nico Crancher, for example, a yellow card in the 89th minute for time wasting. I think, I, I, no, honestly, that. I think referees are 110% should do interviews after every game. Because, like, as I said, like, what's the difference? Like, players, managers, they need to do it. So I think referees should be the exact same. Aidan, what are you going to say? Where does it stop, though? I mean, if you're going to ask a referee why he gave like, a big decision to impact him, you're going to have to ask him um, why he gave... Why he gave a yellow card there? What? Who's really interested in hearing every single decision he makes? Like, but then the argument I can make is would like, would you tune in what? to hear about why there was a yellow card given in the the, the twenty eighth minute? No, you wouldn't. You'd you'd only want to listen or or watch if there was a big decision. So 
That's where I right, we'll go with your argument. Right, we'll go with. But then again, though, that would make like that would make the referee better as well. Like for example, even after every game, like the be like the person interviewing the referee can say, "Okay, you had a fantastic game today," and then or whatever, and just praise them on certain good decisions they made. But and Aidan, I know you're like against it, right? But for example, like the game two weeks ago, right, or whatever, or just in general in football, and even the Ross County game last year, uh, the Celtic and Ross County game, where it was that dive that happened, the referee should have came out and explained his reason for giving that decision, because that cost Celtic three points. Then, so it did. I, I, mean, I, I think that. we all know what his explanation would be. He thought Sviatchenko fouled him, so what is but, the need for him to come out? He's not going to come out and say, I have an agenda against Celtic and I don't want to... <laughs> I, I know, but he needs to give his reason for it, like for or why he made that decision you at that time. The, the, the counter-argument to that is, you're just going to make a referee... You're, you're going to embarrass a referee live on national television when... In Scotland, we are, we haven't got the same the, the same means that what English football does. English football, Bundesliga, all those leagues, they can they can do the VR. They can go look back. Scottish referees have to go in that moment. So that dive you're talking about with uh, uh, Schalke at Ross County, as Aidan said, he's just going to say he thought there was contact, and now you're going to show him that back, and all he's going to be able to say is the player conned me. That's all he's going to be able to say. He can't say anything else other than that because. That's what he saw. But then he can say, okay, well, I mean, like, of course, if I looking back at the footage, he died, but at my angle of it, it looked like there was contact. So you can come in and say that. Then he can defend it. That's him saying, he can, he, that's him basically defending himself, so that, no, which will make him look better. On the flip side, Aiden also made a good point in saying, all you're going to use this for is to highlight how bad they were. What if they if, if they had done a particularly good job? Are you going to are you gonna invite them on to the right, top? You were saying that referees team? were getting embarrassed, right? Look at managers, managers, right? They need to do like, or even players as well. Just say a player made that absolutely horrendous mistake in a game, like absolutely horrendous mistake. For example, Joe Hart. Remember Joe Hart in the Euro twenty sixteen, where he effectively cost England, uh, like that Iceland game, and England ended up going out uh, of the Euros, right? He had to go do a post match interview. He felt and he and he had to talk about How his. Oh, hold on, let me finish. He had to he had to talk about those two mistakes he made, which led to England going out of the Euros, right? So. And he felt embarrassed by that. He had to talk about that. So if a referee makes an absolute horrendous decision in a game, like he has to come out and talk about it as well. Players need to do it. Players and managers, if they make mistakes or whatever, they need to come out and do post-match interviews. So, ref- so, so I think referees should as well. How much extensive media training do you think the players get though? You know that some... You can tell when some players have had experience of... I've been talked through what they're going to do when they go for an interview. You've seen some... You've also seen some players that clearly have no media training... Oh, that's... And then, and then get put in front of a camera. You have to do that with the referees, otherwise you're just humiliating them live on TV. See, but see if... It, that's been given them media training, but my argument is they should be doing post-match interviews. That's uh, my closing statement in that, but... Interesting to be discussing there, so let's... Uh, Leave it at that. And we'll uh, get the fixtures up for uh, this uh, weekend. Oh, no, this weekend, sorry, two weeks. International fixtures. That's right, aye. Uh, we'll just get... Uh, should we do... I think just do the international one. I'll just do the international, why not? So, it's Scotland and Malta. Scotland will be a few minutes and Malta, so... Oh. Right. Aidan, we'll start with you. Start with so you. Lith- Scotland v Lithuania first, isn't it, yeah? Yeah, Scotland versus Lith- uh, Lithuania. I would say anything less than six points is a failure for Scotland. If Scotland fail to win, if Scotland don't win these two games, it's officially the gig is up. It is one hundred percent. I think it's already up, but this will be this will be the official 
thing. Like, right. if we don't, if we don't win both these games, it's so done. On, on, see, what's important as well is on Friday night when obviously Lithuania play Scotland, uh, Slovakia and Slovenia are both playing that night. So they're against each other. So one, either one or both teams need to drop points. <coughs> if we can win these both both these games, we can potentially catch. I think it's Slovenia. Is it Slovakia? I think it might be Slovenia. We could catch them. We could overtake them. So we need to win these two games. Yeah. And then also that takes in our must-win games against uh, Slovakia and Slovenia. Yeah. But I'm gonna go since it's in Lithuania. I'm ever the optimist. <laughs> I think Scotland are gonna. I'm gonna go Lithuania one Scotland. Two. I'm going two 0 Lithuania. <laughs> I'm going one 0 Scotland. Uh, so I don't know when we play Malta. Um, Scotland Malta. I'll Monday. go with a. Uh, is it Sunday? Monday after that game. Ah, it's Monday, yeah. Uh, uh, Scotland 4-0. I'm going to say 3-1 Scotland. I'm going to say 3-0 Scotland. The reason I'm saying I'll concede is because our defence is absolutely atrocious. So my, my prediction is after this uh, Monday, yeah, after this, after this international break, Scotland will still be in the hunt for a place. Ah. Uh, don't think we have a chance at all. I think I, would agree with I really you, don't. I think so you, you these honestly, games we should be winning, and we should still be have a chance afterwards. So you honestly don't believe that Scotland can beat Lithuania and Malta? No, I don't. You honestly don't believe that? No, don't I don't. I will beat Malta, but I don't believe we'll beat Lithuania. As much as I disagree with the squad squad selection, I think the players there are capable of beating Lithuania. I, and I just don't see it. I just do not see it at all. Like Gordon Strachan is just not the guy to take us forward at all. He is not like. But I will save that for the podcast next week. Uh, so well, so uh, Aiden, absolute pleasure. John James, absolute pleasure. Uh, so uh, guys, uh, take care, and we will see you soon.